Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, and national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and don't forget, editor-in-chief of the brand-new Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Thursday, May 1st, rabbit, 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 and I would like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe for free to the digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tractor Supply. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. McMurray Hatchery is the world's oldest and largest rare breed hatchery. They have been providing their customers quality poultry since 1917 and have more than 110 different breeds to choose from. Be sure to sign up for their weekly special email at mcmurrayhatchery.com 
and receive a $5 internet exclusive coupon to use on your first internet order. McMurray Hatchery, the world's largest and oldest rare breed hatchery. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensi.com. Brensi spelled B R I N S E A. That's Brensi.com or call. 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy. Technology you can trust. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Uh, we've had some great shows this week. Monday we had uh, Peter Brown, the Chicken Doctor, on. That was a great show. You can listen to that archive anytime you would like. And then uh, yesterday we gave away an awesome chicken coop valued at about $1,500 to a young lady named Caitlin in Phoenix City, Alabama. How awesome is that? We've given away uh, more uh, chicken coops and anybody on the planet regarding contests or concern, gotta love it. And uh, a lot of happy Chicken Whisper fans out there. And if you didn't win, no fret, we're going to be giving away another chicken coop. Yep, believe it or not, sooner than you think. So uh, uh, gotta love it. And uh, nope, Christmas chick Philip was not uh, our caretaker. Uh, he he does help us around the farm occasionally, but. He is not the, we have another caretaker that takes care of the, the animals and the homestead while we're away traveling on book tour and speaking tours and things like that. So, um, but uh, I've, uh, Philip has done some work with me actually this week when we got back. So yeah, Philip is still around, but uh, our full-time ca- uh, caretaker um, is, uh, is uh, Marvin, so a uh, good guy. But anyway, um, that was some information in the chat room if you're joining us there in the live chicken chat room. So we thank you for doing so. But we've got a great show lined up for you today. Our guest is doctor and poultry scientist and professor (laughs) Bridget McRae, Ph.D. And uh, she's going to be joining us. She's talking about antibiotics today, kind of uh, uh, letting us know what they're all about, how they work, and uh, if we need them, what they're goal is, how they work, really the whole nine yards regarding antibiotics, so we're looking forward to that. So get those chicken whisper notebooks out, you know, that spiral notebook you have sitting by your computer with the big CW on it, 
to get ready to take some uh, some awesome, awesome notes. This will be our last show this week, but we will return next Monday with another great episode of Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. And uh, that will be this coming Monday. We are looking at, and don't write this down because it, it may be a little confusing to you, but um, I am looking at, I'm contacting all of our regular guests to see if we can move this show from noon, which we've been doing for years, uh, to 2 p.m. It's going to work a little bit better for our schedule, our family schedule, um, and I'll kind of tell you why. It's uh, it's nap time around here, and though we've been doing the show for three years during nap time, uh, it just it kind of ties up uh, four hours instead of maybe two because uh, the kids have to, uh, and, and it kind of ties up my time with the family for four hours because an hour and a half to two hours. Um, uh, I can get some work done, Jim can too. Um, and, um, but then I'm on the, sh- on the radio show from 12 to normally nap time after wrapping it up and getting situated and things like that. So we're thinking about changing the show to 2 p.m. Now, um, this is not uh, anything that's going to happen overnight, um, but we still have to contact our regular guests to see if a 2 p.m. time, because they come on live, uh, would work for most of them. So that's what we've got to look at. So uh, we're looking at maybe a 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which would make it uh, 11 a.m. on the uh, on the West Coast. And, uh, so that we're just kind of teeter-tottering about that. It would be better for our daily schedule and, and um, kill two bird two bird with one stones, if you will, regarding that two-hour period from two to four. I'm, uh, my, my live broadcast while the kids are, are napping, and then otherwise it kind of takes four hours of time really between the nap and then the two hours I'm doing my show that I'm not spending time with them, and they have to go find something to do. Just to, uh, would work a lot more logical around here. I was thinking about that yesterday when I was working on the camper. So anyhow, um, hey, our next road trip is going to be in August, August the 15th. Of course, uh, well, we'll have road trips before then, but for for touring. And it looks like we'll be heading up towards the northeast right now, uh, basically Virginia to Maine. We hope to hit as many states as possible and put a lot more stickers on our uh, United States map that we just uh, put on the camper for Caleb. But learning process, learning the states. And he's not even three yet, and he can identify Texas and Florida and Georgia. And I think there was one more just pointing at the map. So uh, it was a great learning tool, and uh, we love traveling the country and meeting our fans. So you got to love that. Um, but, yeah, so we're looking at uh, really Virginia through Maine. It's going to start probably around the 20th of August. Um, we've got another national webinar with USDA and CDC. I believe it's going to be on August the 19th. And then uh, after that, a couple of days after that, we'll be hitting the road and heading north. Uh, and uh, we, we may actually um, do the same thing at this time, maybe even a little bit longer. And, uh, again, um, we want to – we have so much – we had a great time on the last tour, but when we were looking back, June and I were talking the other day, and she actually initiated the conversation that uh, we had extra fun um, when we met with chicken folks, whether it was going out to dinner with them or visiting their backyard or looking at their coop or talking chickens or doing the chicken limo ride or whatever the case may be. Uh, that was really, really fun. And, uh, of course, factoring in family time with the zoos and aquariums and children's museums and playgrounds. But we really enjoyed um meeting our fans uh, one-on-one personally, and so I think we're probably going to try to do that a little bit more. So we may extend the tour a week or two, and then uh, fill in these days where we can uh, meet you, our listeners and fans, uh, break bread with you, go out to dinner, just hang out, come look at your coops, your backyard, because we really had a good time with that. So uh, we're looking at doing that uh, a little bit more this fall. Now, uh, I'll 
the campgrounds up in that area close, I think, I don't know if it's October 1st or sometime during October. So we'll definitely have to wrap it up uh, with that. Okay, got a question in the chat room. What's happening with the TV show? Man, that is an ongoing, long process. So let me kind of fill you in on that while we're waiting for um, um, Dr. McRae. looks like she's just called in, so very good there. Um, the initial um, television producing company, the production company that I signed with uh, back in the wintertime, December maybe it was, November, um, uh, the initial um, producer um, had uh, recently, like in the last three weeks, uh, left that company, and I was actually signed with the company under that producer. He left to start his own business um, as a production company, and then that production company, Skip uh, Media, was sold to another production company. So they pretty much consolidated all their existing uh, contracts. So um, I was released. From there, and I asked them. I said they were still interested in the show, but with all the you know, all the stuff that was going on with the, the buyout and then this producer leaving, it just they were trying to consolidate everything and get everything in order and, and people take with them what what they uh, had. So so that when one door closes, another one opens. But this has been ongoing for like five years. It seems like every quarter of the year, four times a year, I'll get contacted by uh, uh, producers or whatnot. But anyway, so. Um, that company out in LA, uh, they have gone their, their separate ways. Um, immediately after that, I got in contact with um, uh, an Atlanta production company that was interested in talking with me. We set up a meeting. It's been postponed. I was supposed to meet them when I was coming back in from the tour, coming to Atlanta from Knoxville, our last tour stop. Still in limbo right now. We're looking at another day where I'll be back in the Atlanta area coming through. Um, and then I'm actually have another meeting with another one in Atlanta next Wednesday at 2 p.m. I believe it is. So it's, it's just continually ongoing. And, and, and the challenge there is trying to find a match with somebody that'll work well with others. <laughs> and and, and y'all know because y'all have listened to this a lot of, a, a long time that unfortunately. And it tells me a lot about the mentality of, of, of us Americans. But the, uh, the, unfortunately, that uh, a lot of the producers, because it's what's selling right now, it's what people are watching, unfortunately, is crazy, off-the-wall, stupid, dumbed-down uh, shows. Uh, in fact, a, uh, I've told you this. A, a production company executive told me, and this is, I'll, I'll quote her exactly. She said, Andy. TV shows that are too earnest just don't do well on television, uh, meaning good, thought-out, family television show, educational, uh, worth something mentally, um, you know, is just, just don't do well. People want crazy, off-the-wall, stupid. And I've told every single one of them, I said, look, that's not me. I've worked hard over the years to create Chicken Whisper Inc., and um, uh, I've got a family. I want my children to be proud of Daddy, not look at him like a laughing stock or something crazy on TV. Just to be on TV, that's stupidest. So again, the best way I can describe it, and I describe it to these producers, is uh, something a kind of a cross between this old house and and, and Martha Stewart. Maybe that's a bad <laughs> uh, combination, but uh, or mix there. But but something that's educational family-oriented, fun. It's got to be entertaining. I know if it's going to be on TV. Just watching me drive an RV down the road is not going to be fun and entertaining. People won't tune in. But um, And uh, most of them recently want kind of a dual show. Uh, they want a show that would feature a family 
living full-time on the road in an RV, and the uh, ins and outs and goods and bads about that. Uh, and while we're on the road, obviously, is the chicken whisperer spreading the chicken love and the ins and outs about that, doing extreme coop makeover and uh, setting up uh, chicken coops for uh, community gardens, um, uh, doing problem solving, going to someone who has a coop and, and figuring out how the predator is getting in and how to fix that and fixing it on TV, things like that. Or, you know, uh, again, I love the extreme coop makeover and uh, things like that fun, good family entertainment pulled from two audiences, the, the RV community or people interested in like, hey, here's a family that's living uh, full-time in, in an RV traveling the country. Oh, and why are they doing that? They're spreading the chicken love. So again, pulling from two audiences, two, two groups of advertisers would be interested in advertising for that. And so, so anyway, that's where we're at now. The initial one I was under contract with, that contract has been released. And now I've got a meeting next Wednesday with a, a production company here in Atlanta. I have one pending here in Atlanta. And I think there's one up in North Carolina that is also in line um, that, that we're pitching to. So it's just uh, an ongoing thing. And it just a, it's a matter of just finding the right one that sees value in what we're doing, that where they think that um, uh, a network, when they pitch it to them, will, will bite will accept it. They feel like, and the bottom line is, can they make money off it? Let's face it, can we make money off of this show? And um, so that, that's kind of where we stand. It's going to be very interesting. And, and if it doesn't happen, I'm cool with that. You know, putting my family and everything in the view of millions of people uh, as we live our life is something that is a little uh, nervous and nerve-wracking to us. But um, if it's all about uh, spreading the chicken love, then that's, that's our ultimate goal. So uh, we gotta we gotta do that. Yeah. So you have to be willing to add some stupid chicken tricks to the TV show. <laughs> so yeah, gotta love it. So and then you know what? I'm sure it's a lot of hard work doing that. Now I'm not afraid of hard work. I've done a lot of hard work. But um, it's just one more thing to add to the pot that we're that is already full in our life, and um, it, it would be a very I think stressful um, addition to our already stressful in some ways life. So, um, all right, let's talk about antibiotics. We've got a, a poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae, has joined us, and that's what it's all about today is spreading the chicken love, educating the masses with good, right, reliable, fact-based, science-based information. Okay, be careful what you see on those blogs and forums. They can be deadly for your flock, and um, which reminds me, I've received, I think, just about all of the articles from our awesome dream team of contributors for Chicken Whisper Magazine. I believe I received them all. And they'll be heading over to the, uh, the editor. And uh, we've got some great articles for our summer issue, let me tell you, by, of course, some great people. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's give Dr. McCray a big Chicken Whisperer welcome, like we always do. And if I can hit the right button, let's bring her live. Hello, Dr. McCray. Thanks for joining us. Hi, can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Always good to hear your voice here on the radio. Fantastic. Wow, well that, that TV show has uh, given you the runaround. Man, that should be the reality TV show is how to get a TV show. <laughs> it's been crazy. And it's like it's been going on for five years, and uh, I've had people ask me, say, well, do you actually, we're looking for someone that communicates with chickens. Do you communicate back and forth with chickens being the chicken whisperer? Do they talk to you? Do you talk back? Goodbye, you know, dial tone, and yeah. then uh, I'm like, go away. And then I've had thing, I've had him use like the term Jerry Springer. We're looking for something uh, regarding uh, chickens that would be more oh, Jerry no. Springer-ish, something kind of wild and crazy. Uh, no, thank I you. Think Goodbye. You need to, I need to, I think you need to find somebody at the National Geographic Channel because, like, they've got shows like um, 
what yeah. is it, uh, Caesar Milan and Dr. Pole, where it's it's not Jerry Springer. You get to see the wildness that is reality. Yeah, of, exactly. Of, um, Animal Planet, yeah, the, Animal. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, it's just a matter of finding the, the folks that, um, that that will see the value in that, and uh, even if they may not make as much as, say, a show like Honey Boo Boo, um, oh, that is fine with me. <laughs> Great day, but but it really tells me. Uh, it, it, I think it's it's. Um, uh, that's why we don't own a television. But but the issue there is it, again, it reassures me. It kind of tells me that 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 the the jeez, oh, I don't know. I want to be kind of politically correct here. The, the mentality of a lot of Americans that are looking at this when we stay in a hotel, we'll, we'll turn the TV on and just flip through to see what crazy new shows are on. And me and Jen will be sitting there going, Wait, no, no, wait am I seeing this right? Am I, is there really a TV show about this? And it's like, um, then you start watching it and it, you see how crazy it is, and you're thinking, ah, that's why. Because these people that are watching it, it, it you know, whatever, it's just very disheartening to, to see. <laughs> the mentality of... of uh, I'm shaking my, my head. Can you see it? Watching. <laughs> Golly, I'm like, really? The last one we saw, uh, that, that we were in a hotel, and we flipped it on, and we saw a show that's coming on, brand new. I think it's called The Preacher's Daughter or something, and, and <sighs> it focuses on three or four families, and Dad's a preacher, and the daughter dresses like a... Oh, I'm not even going to say it. Um, and, and she tries to go outside or go on a date wearing you know, a very... Provocative clothes and things like that. If that's I don't know, and just super super short shorts and tank tops. You can you know, see your bra and her belly button and all you know. And so the preacher is just you know her dad is like no you can't wear that no you can't wear that no you can't wear that and and the trials and tribulations she's going out trying to sneak and smoke cigarettes and knowing that dad wouldn't approve and and it's just we're looking at this going seriously. <laughs> but a show on chickens and extreme coop makeover and and it would not have, oh well. You know, it's just one of those things. It's just like, it is what it is. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and enjoy doing it. And, uh, seems to be working. And let the other <laughs> folks watch uh, um, the uh, Preacher's Daughter on TV. That's good, yeah. good for them, good for me. <laughs> Jeez. I know it. I know oh, it. Oh, golly, good luck. And, yes, I, I did finally get my article into you. Um, yeah, you did. I, think, I, hope, I hope your readers will find it a good read. I read it, and, uh, yeah, I think it would be a good read. One thing that you left out um, that I thought that would be mentioned in there, because it goes hand-in-hand, hand, I think, with uh, bird feeders uh, and, and attracting wild birds, would be, I didn't see the word or the item mentioned anywhere, would be bird baths. And I was, I was one, I was, you know, oh, I was thinking, Oh, I well, mentioned bird houses, but I didn't go the bird bath right. route. Yep. Exactly, and um, I was thinking, well, there's the, well, there's a water source. Know, anyway, I huh? can definitely amend it. I can okay, good, 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 good. That's it. good because I was like, you know, that, they work hand in hand. Some people may not even have a bird house, but have a bird bath, and um, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's ceramic bird baths in the backyard. So I was, I was kept reading. And, or the and, plastic and on one project. that keeps blowing over at my house. Yeah. <laughs> we have the exactly. rain here. I don't have a bird bath so I was upright anymore. I could see I could see my chickens uh, flying up onto that bird bath and drinking all that water that the other wild birds just took a bath in and, and deposited feces and and mites and worms and pooped in the water and they're drinking the water yeah. and then, so anyway. So but, but yeah, that, other than that, it was it was an awesome uh, article and I thought, well, I'm going to have to call. Uh, uh, I was going I was going to email you about bird baths, maybe having a little. Uh, to that as well, but today we're talking about antibiotics, which yeah. if you have wild birds in your backyard in a bird bath, you may eventually need. 
um, for your chickens. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> and I knew there's a segue somewhere there, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good job. <laughs> so uh, so uh, that's what we're talking about today, the ins and outs and all that about antibiotics and our, and our chickens. And uh, we talk about this a lot with Peter Brown. He's on Monday about how really a lot of the uh, commercial poultry producers um, are, are truly – trying to start at least at a percentage level of getting away from antibiotics, you know, going and using uh, things like um, uh, all, all of oregano, things like that, or trying to, you know, pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're I think they're realizing, too, that um, these studies that show a correlation between the antibiotics that are animals and antibiotic resistance in humans can and maybe be related. And opinion and, counts, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think they're seeing that, and uh, which is good. But we're doing more today, I guess, the, the small-scale backyard flock that's going to appeal to most of our listeners. So we are open ears. We have our Chicken Whisperer notebooks open, and we are ready to be a sponge and suck in all that information from you, Dr. But not, not sponge the information from the birdbath. Exactly, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, I just logged in, so hopefully I can stay connected with your listeners today, and if they have questions, shoot them my way. I'll um, see you there, Grace. Um, so antibiotics. Of course, we first figured out that antibiotics were an option with fungus. Um, you know, funguses make antibiotics, and, you know, once we started to realize, hey, if this fungus touches this fungus, are, you know, something's being produced by this fungus that kills the bacteria, what's going on? They finally figured out about antibiotics. And it's just basically um, germ warfare that, you know, antibiotics were developed for. And, you know, basically an antibiotic is a substance that inhibits the growth of or kills another microorganism. There's hundreds of antibiotics out there. Um, but, you know, we test a lot of antibiotics to see if any of them have any any value against poultry diseases. You know, certain certain antibiotics might work for horses, but not for chickens or chicken diseases or certain poultry conditions. Uh, so antibiotics are used for disease control in poultry, and they're specific for the diseases caused by bacteria or related organisms, uh, like, say, protozoa or funguses. Uh, Basically, antibiotics work because they are able to disrupt different phases of cellular metabolism. So that's how the antibiotics act. Um, They prevent bacteria from multiplying if enough antibiotic is present to attack all of the bacteria. If the amount of antibiotic that you've given the bird is small and the number of bacteria that are in the bird is large, then the antibiotic won't produce its full effect. It'll lose the battle. Yes, it's not going to win. And then what do you think happens? Uh, Your chicken continues to be sick. And And uh, you have bacterial resistance to the the antibiotic or the drug. So, um, you know, you want to give the right dose. And, you know, resistance is something that can be passed on to someone who handles a sick chicken or another bird that comes in contact with the sick chicken or another animal that comes in contact with a sick chicken. 
therefore making the drug that you might use on them less effective. So antibiotic resistance is an issue. Antibiotics also go after beneficial bacteria, which makes up the majority of what we have growing inside our guts, chicken's guts, our dog and a cat's guts. There are bacteria there. There's supposed to be bacteria there. So sometimes when you give an antibiotic, it takes out everything or the majority of things. So um, occasionally, if you take out the good bacteria without taking out the bad bacteria, the the bad bacteria take over, and that's not what you want. So, you know, we... We're not trying to use broad-spectrum antibiotics anymore. Um, A lot of antibiotics are given in the chicken feed. Um, If that's something that commercial producers are trying to take care of, like a house problem. Um, But for most small flock owners, antibiotics are going to come to your chickens, usually through the water. And if you give antibiotics through the water, it goes into the digestive tract. It's absorbed into the digestive tract, into the bloodstream much faster. Um, Because, you know, some chickens, if they're really feeling bad and you put antibiotics in the feed, they're not feeling good. They're not going to eat enough of the feed to get the beneficial. But birds will usually drink. So um, if you don't have either one of those options, you might have to go with the option of, okay, chicken, we have to give you a shot or an injection of an antibiotic. So, you know, there's, like I said, there's a long list of antibiotics. Um, Giving antibiotics to the feed, about the only time that most small flock owners come across this is when they are giving a coccidia stat uh, Mm -hmm. to prevent coccidiosis in in their chickens. And, you know, that's when you give your chickens a medicated chick starter. But you could also get your chickens vaccinated at the hatchery, and then you wouldn't want to feed a um, medicated chick starter because they've already been given a vaccine. Other times, if you've got um, older birds or even chicks and you don't have access to a medicated chick starter, sometimes you have to give um, um, coccidia stat in the water. But thinking about the feed... um, if you look at low-level antibiotic feeding, it improves growth and feed conversion. And that's why sometimes producers in the past have given antibiotics in the feed, always, however, following feed withdrawal periods. Um, but that's not what most small flock owners are going to do. Um, what they're going to do is if they have to give an antibiotic, they're usually going to do it through the water or via an injection if they're comfortable giving an injection. And if you have to give a drug, you have to pay attention to the withdrawal periods. And it says, you know, this drug, uh, you you must stop administering this drug, maybe it says five days before processing meat chicken, or it might say eggs should be discarded for two weeks after the last date that you administer this 
antibiotic or drug. There, so you there, need to pay many, attention to withdraw, withdrawal periods. Are there as many um, issues with, because I know when we talk about giving uh, <clears throat> wazine and worms for um, drugs for, for internal parasites, um, that uh, a lot of those companies will say, not for layers. Um, if you, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard them say, if you give this to, if you give this to your layers, you should never eat the eggs ever again. And why are they saying that? Liability. They've never been a test there. Um, with most of the antibiotics that are out there that the backyarder is going to use for their chickens, um, are there um, um, specific withdrawal times for the, the layers for our backyard? Is that something like with the wormers that if the testing's been, done, been just... done, they'll put yeah. it on there. If the testing hasn't been done. They won't say anything about it, or they'll say, don't use them laying hens. Right. But if that's the situation, what you need to do is talk to a vet. They have access mm-hmm. to information that you're ne- not going to have access to. Mm-hmm. And they can tell you what the withdrawal period would be for eggs, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're using something in a off-label use. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. where a veterinarian is very valuable to you. Uh, if you're doing something off-label in the use of a, a drug, a veterinarian is also going to say, okay, well, you can't use the eggs for this amount of time. Discard them. Compost them. Do whatever. Or, you know, don't use this drug if you're going to process within so many days. Mm-hmm. Let's use this one. That's where a veterinarian is really valuable to you. And if you set up a regimen with a veterinarian and you collaborate with a veterinarian to get um, a regimen down, write it down. Write down the dose. Write down the withdrawal period. Write down the name of the treatment, a commercial name and the active ingredient. And it could be something where you can only get it at the veterinarian or it might be something you can get at a feed store. But you need to keep this in a logbook of where you keep your your animals' medical records. Maybe you have a separate logbook for your chickens. Maybe you have something altogether for all your animals. <clears throat> but that is going to be key. So you have you know successful situations. So it could be that you have roundworms periodically, and every spring you seem to have a problem with roundworms. Well. You might have a product that your veterinarian recommends that you use, and they say use, um, you know, I know this is for horses or for cattle, but you use this amount and you give it to them this many times, but don't eat the eggs or meat, you know, for this amount of time. If you've got it written down and you know the problem is there each year and you've identified that the problem is there each year, just follow that regimen time and again. There you go. So there you go. Oh, first question here from our chat room you may have seen. Oops, Eve I wants to it. know, uh, how long should you feed the medicated chick starter if you choose to do so? If you've got broilers, you're going to feed starter for about two weeks. If you've got um, anything other than a broiler, which is a fast-growing bird, uh, you're going to probably feed that for six to eight weeks. Uh-oh, didn't like that answer. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. <laughs> they're, they're, they're having lunch, and so there's no telling with Lily being at 13 months that if she likes it, if she doesn't, and if, if her plate becomes empty and she's still hungry, she will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. Wow. 
Okay. It truly well, is. I mean, you can't deny this is a family-oriented show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so antibiotics. We use them to treat diseases. Um, certain antibiotics really are designed for diseases that are in the intestinal tract. Other times, antibiotics, you know, they're elsewhere in the body, and the only way to reach it is through the bloodstream. So if you've got a problem in the GI tract, you're going to give an antibiotic in either the feet or the water, and very soon it should reach the port part of the GI tract or the digestive tract that's being affected by the disease. Um, well, then you know, then you know that your antibiotic is reaching if the problem is elsewhere, um, and you're giving the antibiotic through the feet or the water. Sometimes the antibiotic loses effectiveness as it leaves the digestive tract and is taken up into the bloodstream in order to reach the infection. Sometimes um, to avoid this situation, certain antibiotics are given by shot so that you don't lose the capabilities of the antibiotics. Now, this knowledge and know-how is definitely where a veterinarian can be of use to you. Um, and the loss of an antibiotic power when it's given orally isn't the same for each and every single antibiotic. Its ability to be absorbed is not the same for each and every antibiotic. So you have to – it's quite a study <laughs> going to vet school because you're learning not only anatomy and physiology and biology – um, all over again, but you're also learning common sense applications of what to give certain animals and what not to give certain animals, um, classifications of drugs, and what's legal, what's not legal, all those different things. It's it, it, it's worth it for these for these um, veterinarians to have that know-how. That's why they pay so much to go to vet school for four years. Okay, I missed something. I posted in the chat room, but people are probably taking notes. I missed because uh, Lily was screaming, and we kind of got sidetracked there for just a second about the family show. Okay, there we go. Eight to ten weeks for other fast-growing breeds. Well, so, six so to eight weeks. Two, I'm sorry, six okay, to six, eight weeks. So two weeks for the broilers, six to eight weeks for uh, for, for most of your layers and, and, and other birds and your heritage breeds and things like that. Okay, I want to make sure that. Now, and, and also I'm following along here. You talked about the administration of antibiotics, mostly either uh, injectable uh, or... Water um, or feed. Water or, or feed. Okay, so, cause, so I'm, I'm going to mention this too because I had a question over on my Facebook page and it did have me stumped for a minute because I was like, I don't ever really remember... Um, having anybody talk about this delivery system, but um, Heather on the chat room says that um, okay, okay. Um, uh, I'm trying to find a better way to get a hand to take antibiotics other than feed tube her um, or tube feed her. So and I was thinking, really? I mean, there's water delivery, there's injectable, I guess, and then the feed. But yeah, I water and then and then feed. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, water and then injection. And, you know, injection can be touchy because you don't want to inject it into an air sac, which there are mm -hmm. many across a chicken's body. Um, you know, do you put it under the skin or do you put it in the muscle? Depends on what right. antibiotic you're using. Yep. So that's Except where a veterinarian or, uh, is, am, yeah. that's their expertise. 
Okay. So, yeah, she, so she was one. So, Heather, I guess to answer, if you're listening, and I'll post it on Facebook, are there any other ways to get get a hand to take antibiotics other than the tube feed her? So we'll just have to, and maybe her hand's just not eating. Maybe that's the issue, but injectable. And like you said, uh, you have to know if it's IM or sub Q. Or water. Then, Usually they'll the, drink. Or the water. Most of them are water. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, great. that's a, that's one of the fastest ways. You know, it's, it, especially in commercial industry, you're going to give something via water or feed, not pick up every single bird and give it a shot. So that's why there's you know, different ways to to deliver these drugs to the birds. Um, we talked about uh, the potency of certain drugs and and how it's got to be there in a sufficient dose to combat the invasion of the microorganisms. Otherwise, it's ineffective. Uh, You just wasted your time, and you possibly have created a a situation where resistance uh, could result. Um, If you have given an antibiotic, um, you're going to have to monitor its concentration. Do you give it again? Well, how do you know if you need to give it again? Well, you have to take a look at either blood or, in some cases, urine or intestinal contents of the bird to see if they are breaking it down and passing it out. And if if it's there in in high levels, then you know that it's currently being processed by the birds Um or it could be in low levels and it's time to give another booster. Um, but you you have to take a look at where the birds are at um, in the stage of infection and and see if, you know, you give the right dose to the bird. Now, overdosing is bad sometimes. Um, if you overdose a bird to make sure it gets the drug or the antibiotic, um, you can cause a toxic reaction. It injures the bird, or sometimes you affect um, a, a part of the bird that can hurt the physiology of the bird, like you could damage the kidneys or damage the liver. It, it, you're hurting some physiological function of the bird. I guess with most backyarders, if, okay, well, I'm going to give, you know, I've got my bird that's sniffling and sneezing, and I'm going to go ahead and add this antibiotic into the water. Um, our, and you know what I'm uh, going to say to that, right? <laughs> Find out what it is so you don't just <laughs> add an antibiotic to the water. Because if it's a virus, <laughs> you're wasting your time. Exactly. You know, and it, I was hoping, I was going to ask that earlier in the show when we were talking about bacterial, viral, and then and then antibiotics. I wanted to make that clear in the show, so I'm glad you cleared that up. And then, but, but again, I'm, I'm trying to... Find out what it is. At, you know, it takes yeah. just a few minutes to take a sample into a vet mm-hmm. or have a vet come to you. Some vets are mobile. And find out what it is. If you've got a bunch of birds that are sniffling, well, number one, your biosecurity stinks, and you need to rethink some things because a cold isn't common. A common cold isn't common for poultry. You shouldn't have annual colds. You need to figure out what you're doing wrong and fix it. But now, if we're given this medication, I'm thinking going back to the the, the most common average charter, we will only know 
if, am I giving the right dose? Well, my birds are getting better, so I must be giving the right dose. It must it must be you know something that the antibiotic is going to work on because guess what? I started giving this, and my birds are getting better. Um, if yeah. they're not getting better, then oh, back to the drawing board. Maybe it is you know something else, you know that type of thing. But but versus, so I think for a lot of people, it's just going to be I'm being given this. Oh, and they're getting better, or they're not, and then that's going to create another fork uh, to figure out what road to go down. Well, you have to think of it this way. My bird's not doing well. Or maybe you're, a human's not doing well. Well, do you give them an antibiotic or do you give them radiation and chemotherapy? Wouldn't you want to know right. which action to take before you just gave something to them? You know, I use that. It's so funny. I don't know if you've heard me say that before, but I have used that in every class I did when I was on the road when we were talking about worming and treatment. I was like, are you going to take your five-year-old to go get chemotherapy because you think they have cancer? I said that in every single class I did on the road. And we also talked about the one where we see on a blogger forum that pumpkin seeds prevent worms, internal parasites, and chickens. And and the follow-up questions that I often post when I see that, and then the mentality basically ends up being, well, Twinkies must prevent cancer because I eat a Twinkie every day. And don't have cancer. And there's the right. study for today, folks. So, so I'm glad you mentioned that, Dr. McCray. If you're not so willing to said, take the time to solve a problem, mm-hmm. why do you have pets? If you're not going to take good care of your animals and solve their problems, if you recognize that there's a problem and you're not going to solve it, you're not doing the animal any favors. So just like you would for a dog or a cat or a child, if there's a problem, get a diagnosis. Have a targeted treatment. If it's not worth it for you to do that, maybe poultry isn't for you because it's an industry. It's not like dogs and cats. It's an industry that can shut down trade for the United States and be a huge problem. So nobody wants to be that person, but, you know, Biosecurity is why we preach. Change your management practices. Nobody wants to have a sick flock. Throwing antibiotics at a bird is is just throwing something at the wall to see what sticks. Um, you could be causing resistance in the bird uh, just by giving them antibiotics. You don't know if that was really the target organism that was causing the problem, and if the antibiotic antibiotic you gave was the correct one. So you want to target your response, and that way the bird suffers less. Your time is well spent. And, yeah, it costs some money, but write it down. If it comes across again, if you end up with XYZ disease again, you might have some leftover antibiotics and have to give it again. And you know how to do it because you've had a veterinarian help you or you've had a diagnostician tell you what the disease is and you, you know how to how to give that particular antibiotic. Here's a great, valid question. You hear it a lot. I hear it a lot. I know you've got an answer for this. Um, in fact, I was just reading over on Facebook if there are any more questions for you, and this was mentioned. Um, what if you can't or don't have access to a vet? 
my pet vet won't even do a fecal flotation for my chickens, which I think is ludicrous. It's the same test, just to give them some chicken poo instead of dog poo. But um, is there the, the steps you would go, maybe a, a local extension, the poultry extension, um, and then maybe yeah. go up to the, uh, if your vet the, won't, the state level? and then Yeah, if, you're, if your vet won't assist you, seek out another vet. Um, if that's the only vet within, you know, umpty bajillion miles, um, talk to the state vet's office. If you have an extension office with a, a, a land-grant university in your state with a, a poultry specialist, talk to them. If you have an extension poultry veterinarian, they usually will want to talk to your vet, but if your vet isn't willing to talk to them, get another gee whiz. So that's somebody who just doesn't want to doesn't even want to toy with poultry. Um, find somebody who is willing to work with you. Um, if that's not an option, if you don't have a land-grant university with poultry specialists in it, then you might want to try the state vet's office mm-hmm. and see if they can assist you uh, and just tell them, you know, I, I've, I'm trying to solve this problem. Um, usually there is a state diagnostic lab that will take samples that you can you can take your samples to and you know if you can't drive the samples there if you're in a huge state like say Texas or Alaska or California actually California has several locations but oh, yeah. you know and if you can't drive it there usually they have a protocol for sending them samples via the bus mm-hmm. or shipping them to them and it's you know you just follow their procedures they are willing to help you find a solution, um, you know, to do a fecal flotation test. Um, so there are options out there so that you can get a diagnosis and get the assistance you need. Now, if this particular person, Andy, really is stuck, have them call me. I'm more than happy to work with them to see if they're from a state where there's sure. assistance that they just don't know about. Awesome. Um, but getting back to overdosing your birds, if you overdose a bird, you can end up with a toxic reaction. You can harm some of the functions of the bird. Um, but you can also form some residues in the tissues. And some drugs aren't broken down by digestion and metabolism, and some drugs aren't eliminated. Um, you know, some drugs are toxic and poisonous, and they can accumulate in the tissues gradually and that can sometimes lead to depositing it in the yolk or the albumin of an egg. So you need to follow, read and follow directions. Um, you know, not all drugs are broken down by digestion and metabolism. Not all drugs are expelled from the body after chemical breakdown. So you have to consider these things. The FDA thinks about these things. They establish levels of tolerance in tissues and eggs for certain drugs. Um, If the levels in meat or eggs for human food is questionable or it's above a certain limit, then the government can condemn that product and call it unfit for consumption and they will destroy that product so that it shouldn't reach uh, the human food supply. And, you know, drug manufacturers, when they're testing certain drugs to see whether or not 
it's in the eggs or it's in the meat, you know, they have to consider these established limits of tolerance and, you know, what what they're creating. And they will write their directions so that you, the reader, can follow them and mix the drug up accordingly. Each drug is different just because Product A says one thing, product B says something different. You need to follow directions on each. Um, Just because product A has an injectable and a water form doesn't mean that they both need to be treated the same way. So you always have The amount of time that you give the drug is going to differ. Sometimes they have to stay effective. In order to stay effective, they have to stay in the body for a long period of time at a high concentration, maybe three or five days. Um, Sometimes that's difficult because, you know, the maximum concentration is is a very short period and you only give the drug at night when you get home from work. Um, So you have to sometimes alter the way you do things when you have a sick chicken which is all the more reason to avoid getting them sick in the first place because it is sometimes a big hassle. We're talking about human nature here. We all have work schedules. We all have families to take care of. We all have things that we have as part of our regular routine. We don't usually like to alter our routine. And a sick chicken is definitely going to alter your routine. (laughs) Um, Even though you have to give certain drugs for a certain amount of time, if you have to give them again, sometimes that second round is less effective than the first round. Um, And that's where, you know, your input from veterinarian can can help you. If you're injecting a drug, it's really kind of temporary. Um, They reach a high level of action quickly, but it also is rid by the body, usually rather quickly. Um, so that's why sometimes you have to give multiple injections every day or, or twice a day or every other day. And if you're uncomfortable with giving shots, if you need assistance and you're not going to get that assistance to hold the bird, um, you might not want to to use an injection or you might want to have your veterinarian give that injection um, so you might have to take the bird a couple times a day or once a day to the vet's office. So these are all things to consider. And I fully realize not everybody likes shots. Not everybody yeah. likes needles. But that is something to consider. Is it time for a commercial? Yes. Yeah. Um, looking at the time frame here. Yeah, we can go ahead and do that. And... Uh, That'll give us time to get the commercial done, come back, and I'll see if we have any other questions either in the chat room or on our Facebook page. So that sounds good. Folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. We're talking all about antibiotics and uh, anything from delivery systems to how they work to why they work and, and questions we need to really think about and ask ourselves before and while we're giving them. So there's lots more information to come back right after this short break from our sponsors. And again, if you have missed a good portion of the show, you're just tuning in. The show will be archived for your listening pleasure 
roughly 10 minutes after the show ends. So uh, you can listen anytime you want to. So we'll be back right after this short commercial break. Thanks for staying with us. You've just entered a dimension of... You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Mount Healthy Hatcheries has been a hatching tradition for over 80 years. Home of the healthiest chicks, Mount Healthy Hatcheries offers a wide selection of bantams, turkeys, guineas, ducks, pheasants, and of course, meat birds and layers. Order online at mounthealthy.com, that's mthealthy.com, or give them a call at 1-800-451-5603. Don't forget to ask about their free bonus chicks offer, Mount Healthy Hatcheries, home of the healthiest chicks. It's the Chicken Whisperer, here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. 
That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Our guest today is poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McCray. And we're talking all about antibiotics. Let me go ahead and hit this button back on the switchboard. We'll bring her live uh, back to the air. All righty. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for returning, Dr. McCray. Hello. I was just looking up some information for someone in your um, chat room, um, and I provided some information for a, a University of Wisconsin contact. So I hope that your listener, um, Eve Woyak, Ev Woyak, <laughs> I hope that she or he is able to contact Dr. Keene. He's an extension poultry specialist just like me, should be able to point you in the right direction, give you options, tell you what to do in your circumstance. And remember, we help you get what you need done, answer your questions. All right. Yep. So back to antibiotics. Hmm. So, you know, basically there's three reasons why anyone would give uh, antibiotics. First of all, to treat an infectious disease. Second of all, to prevent diseases from becoming established in your flock, like coccidiosis. And then, of course, there's the growth promotion factor where you get better feed conversion, and that has been used in the past in the commercial industry. And it's not very popular with consumers. But, you know, we know that you can give uh, antibiotics through the feed, the water, and injections. Let's talk about the water form. Okay. All right. You can put some preparations. You know, every antibiotic is different. Um, you have to pay attention to what type of water you need to put it into. Some water are, are some antibiotics form a solution in the water. They're well suited for drinking water. Uh, they might also be used for feed additives, but the water soluble forms are usually more expensive than the insoluble forms that are used as a feed additive. So right there, you have your costs go up. Some, instead of forming a solution in the water, they form a suspension in the water. That means um, you really want your, your antibiotics to mix uniformly in the water, and if the if the drug goes into the solution and the mix is uniform, that's great, but some soluble forms of the drugs just aren't available. They go into a suspension where they don't really dissolve, but they float in the water and don't settle out in the water. Uh, so it depends on what you've got. Uh, sometimes these are better used as a feed additive. Some antibiotics don't go, they don't form a solution and they don't form a suspension. <laughs> Um, so they don't play nice with much. <laughs> Those are the insoluble drugs, and usually they're strictly confined to feed applications. Um, some antibiotics, they do not pass from the intestines into the bloodstream. Um, this can be an advantage. Sometimes it's not an advantage. depends on what your problem is. If the microorganism is located in the intestinal tract, antibiotic is not absorbed into the, the bloodstream, that's fine. It's, it's going right into where it needs to go. If 
the organism you're trying to eliminate is systemic or other elsewhere in the body, that's a problem if it won't be absorbed into the bloodstream. So we talk about, Andy, what we're doing when we just throw an antibiotic at a bird. What the heck are you doing? What kind of antibiotic are you using? Where's your problem? Is it in the lungs or is it in the gut? Are you giving a sufficient dose for it to be absorbed into the bloodstream? These are some of the reasons why we say leave it to a veterinarian. They're trained to handle these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, maybe this will inspire one of your listeners to go to vet school and answer all the backyard poultry people's questions. There you go, Andy. Maybe that's what we'll, we will inspire today. <laughs> you could be a reentry student, somebody who comes back to college just to get into vet school. Okay. So there's lots and lots of different types. Um, okay, so I just spotted a, a question here. Is Dr. McCray saying you can add the antibiotic to a feed? Uh, not usually for a backyarder. You have to read the label directions. Most of what you, the backyard chicken owner, can buy is for the water and not the feed. If you're going to add it to the feed, you have to add it in the proportions that it says, and it's usually just a few pounds to a ton. And I don't know many of your listeners who <laughs> mix their own feed by the ton. And, um, you know, so that's something to consider. So certain antibiotics are better given through the feed. Certain antibiotics are better given through the water. You need to read and follow the label directions. If you can't accommodate tons of feed, and that's the only antibiotic that you have that should be given in the feed, move on to a different antibiotic. Find something else. Okay. One of the oldest groups of antibiotics that's out there are the sulfonamides. Um, they're, they have a really long withdrawal period, they can be very toxic. Um, they can be used in laying hen pullets, but not usually after 20 weeks when they're laying. Um, they're synthetic drugs. Uh, they basically they they inhibit a certain acid, PABA, um, which is para-amino benzoic acid, PABA. They inhibit the use of PABA by the bird and PABA is needed for the bird to create folic acid. Well, folic acid reduces cell, well, I'm sorry, um, sulfonamides reduces cell multiplication. Well, bacteria have a higher need for folic acid than chickens do, so it's kind of a race. Um, You're basically inhibiting cell division and Rather than killing the bacteria, you're really kind of stopping it in its tracks. Rather than killing it, you're preventing it from multiplying. Uh, Because you know that bacteria, under the right conditions, multiply at high rates. Now, they're a really big toxic group. Um, When you prescribe it, you have to use really low doses. Um, And, you know, we don't use it anymore. It's potent, but we we try not to use it anymore. Um, 
but you'll see it around. You'll see it in different forms, and you might have to do by prescription only. Um, but if you use it incorrectly, you can cause more problems than you've solved by causing um, internal hemorrhaging, anemia. Um, you know, some some versions of the sulfonamides, and there are many different sulfonamides, have anywhere from from three to four weeks as a withdrawal period. And if you're growing broiler chickens, you know that they grow to six weeks of age thereabouts. So you really wouldn't use them in a broiler. You would use it for an older bird. Um, Nitrofurans are another group of drugs. Um, recently been removed from by the FDA as a, a list of compounds that you can use in, in United States poultry flocks. Uh, they really are used for gram-negative bacteria. Some of them have coccidiostat uh, forms. Uh, some of them have growth-promoting pro properties. But they're really kind of off the list now. So, you know, hey, let's move on. Then you've got certain lists of drugs that are really effective against coccidiosis. Uh, these are called coccidiostats. Um, sometimes they're also effective against other poultry diseases other than coccidiosis, but they're kind of in this coccidia category. Um, there's a huge list of coccidio-specific drugs, um, but you know they're they're aimed at preventing your chickens from um, getting sick and dying from coccidia, which is a, proto a protozoa, a single-celled um, free-living organism. The one that almost everyone talks about when they see uh, coccidia stat in the feed is amprol or amprolium. Mm -hmm. That's usually what people see on the feed tag label. And if you're not sure which coccidiostat is in a medicated chick starter, all you have to do is look at the feed tag label. It's written right on there. Um, it's not always amprolium, but it's very common. Mm -hmm. um, then there's another category, another broad category of drugs called anthelmintics. We don't say anti-helmintics, we say anthelmintics. Uh, it's really hard to say fast. <laughs> And that means that they remove worms from the intestinal tracts. Um, they basically have varying degrees of effectiveness, and they purge the worms from the gut. There's a moderately sized list of those, and the one that most everyone is familiar with is piperazine, which is the active ingredient in wazine. And what it essentially does is put the worms to sleep. They take a nap, and hopefully they let go. They don't all take a nap. They don't all let go. But you would hope that they all would. That's why when we say sometimes when you have to give a dose of antibiotics in the water is take the water away from them so that they're good and thirsty and they get a good dose when you put the water back in that has the antibiotics in it so that everyone drinks. And, uh, of course, keeping in mind if it's hot weather, you don't want to you don't want them to to suffer. Okay, so those are just the, the general 
bits of information that I wanted to share with your listeners about um, antibiotics. Any other questions? Not that I see on the Facebook page, and uh, I'm looking in the chat room here. Uh, Are there uh, um, chickens, ducks, guineas, turkeys? They're kind of uh, one antibiotic for everything. Um, It varies per species. Uh, you know, something some you can't give to other species, so you have to be careful. Um, certain antibiotics you shouldn't give to waterfowl, but it's okay in chickens. So you do have to read and ask your veterinarian. If you get a prescription for a chicken and then suddenly your duck starts acting the same way, it may not be okay to give that same antibiotic to them because they have different levels of sensitivity, slight differences. And it could make it could be enough to make a, a, a bird um, worse. That's a great question. Uh, I see Christmas Chick asked that question. Great question. Um, we had a question. I think she has all about- of those animals on her farm, so it was uh, pertinent <laughs> to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, vinegar water. Um, if you change the pH of the gut by giving vinegar water prior to an antibiotic, sometimes you can reduce the effectiveness of an antibiotic. And vinegar itself isn't an antibiotic. Um, it's just, it's just vinegar, acetic acid. Um, but sometimes if you are concerned about maintaining organic status, certified organic status, Uh, people are unwilling to give antibiotics, but according to the the rules, you are not permitted to deny a bird treatment just to maintain Mm -hmm. organic status. So keep that in mind, too. Interesting. Oh, I see. I see the reaction here. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Critter Lover. (laughs) So many people... So many people regularly give apple cider vinegar in the water. So if you initially see a problem and you've made that decision to give antibiotics, you may want to withhold apple cider vinegar while they're going through their medical medicine regimen. And discuss that with your veterinarian. Tell them that you've been giving apple cider vinegar um, so that you don't, you know, if you buy an antibiotic from someone like a veterinarian, you don't want to negate its action, Um, you know, just because you you continue with your regular routine of giving maybe mm-hmm. electrolytes or apple cider vinegar or something else. There you go. Very good. Awesome information. Awesome show. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Super information. And I hope they learned something new today. Yeah, and you may have and hopefully people at least school. think twice about just throwing an antibiotic at a bird because, like I said. You know, it, it depends on what antibiotic it is and whether your problem's in the intestines or the bloodstream and what are you giving them, which action, mode of action does it have, so on and so forth. Very good. Awesome. Yep. And, folks, you can listen if you tuned in late. The entire show via archive, iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, and right here on blogtalkradio.com. So if you miss anything, you can go back and listen 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So uh, you enjoy it when Dr. McRae's on. She joins us the first and third Thursday of every single month. 
And um, we got a question. Who passed it? Yay, nay, this year, next year? Oh, next, next year. year. Next year. 2015, Coopastic up there in Delaware. Well, if you are coming my direction, Andy, we're just going to have to go play for a day Yeah. as you, as you do be, your tour. We'll be, that'll be this fall. We will be coming up that direction, and we're going to try to hit as many states as we can to add to Caleb's little sticker chart. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, if we're within uh, a, a, a decent driving distance, we will definitely get together and uh, talk some poultry and family and everything else. So that's very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to having you back in the next couple of weeks. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much. Great information from a great person. Got to love it when Dr. McCray is on. She is so such a wonderful person. And that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and this will be the last show this week. But we will return this coming Monday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, with... Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First Aid Vet Supply. So that will be this coming Monday. I'm sure we've got some great programming for you next week. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to Chicken Whisper Magazine, all-new publication. In fact, uh, as we speak, I'm posting the topics uh, that will be in the summer issue. And you can subscribe for free the digital edition at our website, chickenwhisperer.com. And yes, while you're there, you can subscribe if you like a touchy-feely physical magazine to sit back in your easy chair and flip through the pages. We have those too. They'll mail directly to your mailbox every time that issue is released. So you can do that also at chickenwhisperer.com. So thank you very much for tuning in today, and we'll see you on Monday. I hope you have a wonderful, uh, exciting, fun, and blessed weekend with your family and friends. God bless everybody. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.